Welcome to Keto Queries, ladies and gentlemen. Here is your host, David Robinley. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Keto Queries, where I talk about keto-related stuff and answer all of your queries about the ketogenic diet and whatever else pops into my crazy brain. Okay, without further ado, let's take the first caller. Caller, you're on the air. I'm being told that we cannot do that. My producer says he is not real. Okay, well, we'll just move on to the queries. Today I'm going to start off by talking about fruits because I had a couple of questions about uh, whether or not you can have fruit on a ketogenic diet. Short answer is berries would be the only type of fruit that you can have. Blackberries and raspberries are the best because they are the lowest in carbs. Uh, strawberries and blueberries are a little bit higher in carbs, but they are also okay to eat in smaller quantities. Um, just remember, it's best to keep your net carbs within 20 grams and 50 grams every day. Uh, if you're trying to lose weight, you want that closer to 20 grams of net carbs per day uh, to lose weight and see the results that you want. Um, why? Somebody's asking why you can't have fruits because aren't fruits healthy? Well, fruits do have some nutrients in them, but there's really nothing in there that you need to eat that you can't find in other foods like vegetables. Like you're gonna get all of your vitamins and minerals and micronutrients from vegetables in the, on the ketogenic diet. The fruits just have too much sugar to get into ketosis. So um, you would just have to check the nutrition facts on each fruit. Uh, I've heard some people saying that they can have a tiny bit of watermelon and still be in ketosis depending on what else you eat for that day. So I guess it, I guess you just have to monitor yourself in that way. But um, I, I would just stay clear of fruits um, because the lower your carbs, uh, the more results that you're going to see, especially if you're trying to lose weight. Because people that restrict their carbs but don't restrict them low enough to be in ketosis, well, they're just running on low fuel. That's why you get tired and hungry all the time on some diets because you're restricting your carbohydrates and probably your calories too, but not to the point where you can run on fats or last a long time until your next meal. So a lot of those diets are on the right track. They're just not going far enough because when you're in ketosis and when you are intermittent fasting, you're going to be running on fats for fuel, not only the, the dietary fat, but also your body fat. So you can go a long time without eating and you can do all the intermittent fasting. Um, you just can't do stuff like that when you're eating fruits and anything else that has a lot of sugar or carbs in it, whether it be natural or otherwise. One guy was asking about bananas, like don't you need bananas for potassium? No, bananas are a very poor source of potassium. There's only about 300 milligrams of potassium in a banana and your daily requirement is 4,700 milligrams. So you would need to eat a lot of bananas to get that. And bananas have a ton of sugar in them. So don't eat bananas. Um, 
another guy was asking about cherries. Same thing. Sorry to pop your cherry, buddy, but you can't have them. Moving on. Actually, I think that guy was joking because his next question was, can you have summer shandy on a keto diet? Um, <laughs> not only is summer shandy not keto, but it is not even beer. It is half lemonade. So have some respect for yourself. Um, if you're going to drink, don't have summer shandy. Um, actually, that is the next question. Uh, it was, can you have alcohol or what kind of alcoholic drinks can you have on the keto diet? Um, the answer is none because um, even if you have a low-carb alcoholic drink, uh, your liver is going to be tied up dealing with that toxic alcohol, and you're not going to be able to do things that your liver needs to do, like make ketones or burn fat. Um, alcohol is not necessarily as bad as eating carbs. Like It won't kick you all the way out of ketosis. It's more like putting ketosis on pause for about two days. And that's not good. I mean, it's, <laughs> I guess it's, it's better than eating a donut, but it's still not good. And I'm, I'm just talking about if you have like a shot or two of liquor, like if you have beer, well, obviously that's a lot of uh, carbs in that. So that's, that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, like if you are having like club soda and liquor, then it might put your ketosis on pause for a couple of days. Anything more than that, um, you're going to be out of ketosis. So your liver thinks of alcohol as a toxin or a poison, and it makes that the priority when you drink alcohol. It has to deal with eliminating this alcohol from your system. So if you are okay with putting your results on hold for a little while, then go ahead and have some alcohol. But I personally do not drink, and I don't suggest you do either. Basically, every single aspect of my life has improved since I stopped drinking. Um, I mean, do you just really want to say things you regret and spend more money on alcohol and get fat and have a hormonal imbalance and grow man boobs, if you're a man? If you grow man boobs and you're not a man, then that's even worse. Okay, moving on. We have another question about electrolyte powders and the keto flu. Um, what is the keto flu? Not, a, not everybody knows because I've had a question or two about that. Um, the keto flu is when you first start the ketogenic diet and you don't feel too good because you're losing a bunch of water weight. Um, whenever you restrict carbs, you lose a lot of water weight because carbs hold a lot of water. Um, and you start, it's not really like the flu, but you do, you do feel run down and tired and you just, maybe, maybe you're a little cranky, don't feel so hot. Um, that's because you're losing a lot of electrolytes. You're losing a lot of, uh, sodium, potassium, magnesium, in this water that you are dumping out of your body. So you have to replenish that somehow. They do have electrolyte powders. If you can find a good quality one that does not have any type of hidden sugars or maltodextrin in it, then you can get that. Uh, Dr. Berg has a really good one um, 
which has a thousand milligrams of potassium in it, which is almost unheard of. It is unheard of. <laughs> I don't think any other electrolyte powder has that much potassium in it, but it also has a lot of trace minerals and magnesium um, and other things that are, that'll help you out. My favorite trick is just bone broth and pink Himalayan salt. Uh, that would, when I first started keto, that would perk me right up uh, because the bone broth has a lot of nutrition in it. And then the pink Himalayan salt has not only sodium, but um, some other minerals in it as well. You don't want to use that table salt or iodized salt because that is just pure unopposed sodium, which is which it doesn't have all of the minerals in it that you need. The pink Himalayan salt, on the, on the other hand, has 84 minerals in it. And some other good salts would be Celtic salt or truffle salt. Another thing that helps with the keto flu is B vitamins. And my favorite way to get my B vitamins is with nutritional yeast, uh, which is like this powder stuff that tastes like cheese. And I put it on top of my salads. Uh, salads also help with the keto flu if you're, if you're getting enough vegetables. Um, that's another good source of vitamins, potassium, magnesium. Um, so if you were to have like a big salad with some nutritional yeast on top, um, then I think you would feel a lot better if you are experiencing any of those symptoms. And a salad would go good with some bone broth. That's like a soup and salad combo. The next question is about grass-fed items. Like, do you have to eat grass-fed beef or grass-fed cheese? The answer is just buy the best thing that you can afford. Um, if you cannot afford to eat grass-fed items, then that doesn't mean you don't do the ketogenic diet. I mean, that would apply to any diet. Um, if you can afford to buy that, then go ahead. Um, I personally cannot get my cheese to eat any grass. I just try to force feed grass into my cheese and it's not having it. Um, but yeah, uh, I think the, the biggest difference would be in the eggs. I try to get pasture raised eggs if possible, because it's only like a dollar or two more. And I think the difference in omegas is different in eggs than it is in beef. Like with beef, no matter where you buy the beef from, the cow probably spent the majority of his life in a pasture. And even if it says grass fed on the label, that doesn't mean that it was grass fed the entire time. Um, it probably just meant that it was fed grass at one point in its life. Uh, if you buy your beef from a service like ButcherBox or somewhere like that, uh, like U.S. Wellness Meats, then it'll probably say grass finished um, on the label. And grass finished would mean that it, it, the cow spent its entire life in the pasture. But I don't think there's that big of a difference in beef because cows are more well adapt to deal with uh, the, the grains or whatever they're feeding them when they're not in the pasture. Whereas chickens, I think there is a more drastic difference, at least from, from my understanding of it. Um, and you can tell in eggs, 
like there's something different with this egg as opposed to this other egg. When you buy pasture raised eggs, like the shell is hard. Like when you try to crack a pasture raised egg, it's a lot different than a commercial grade egg. So I guess uh, maybe that's the, all the extra nutrients making the shell hard. Who knows? But uh, yeah, uh, a pasture raised egg will have a more balanced omega profile as well as more vitamins and other nutrients. So that's what I do. Whenever I'm short on cash, I'll still buy the pasture raised egg and I'll get some uh, just regular beef from the store because even if it says grass-fed or not grass-fed, it probably spent the majority of its life in a pasture, and you're not going to find a grass-finished uh, beef at the grocery store unless you're at some really, really fancy grocery store. You'd have to go to some other service, like, like I was saying, Butcher Box or U.S. Wellness Meats. The next query is about exogenous ketones. Do you need them? Uh, no, you do not. You make your own ketones in your body when you are on the ketogenic diet. Uh, that's the process of breaking down fat for fuel. Uh, ketones are a byproduct of that, burning uh, fat for fuel, whether it be dietary fat or your own body fat. And you don't need any, any extra ketones. Um, unless you were just, you know, completely lean with no extra body fat and you are running marathons and you need extra fuel, then sure, you could have some exogenous ketones, but they're not going to help you lose weight. In fact, you cannot lose weight if you are taking exogenous ketones because you're going to use that for fuel. You want to burn your own body fat. And not to mention, they are very expensive. But a lot of people are being taken advantage of uh, with the supplement industry and uh, they, they have all kind of people that are, that are going to try to sell you these products and these supplements. Uh, don't do it. You don't need it. And they're very expensive and they're going to prohibit you. They're going to prevent you from losing weight. There's not going to be any supplements or products that are pink <laughs> or red or whatever. There's not going to be like a, a pink lemonade or fruit punch uh, powder that's going to help you on the ketogenic diet. You're done with all of those supplements. You don't need to buy them anymore. What you need is some whole foods that were grown on planet Earth, like meats and vegetables, nuts, seeds, berries, and maybe some cheese or cream if you can eat dairy without any digestive problems. The next query is about substitutions for an alcohol habit. Um, I think I just talked about this on my barbecue series uh, where I have all these beverage substitutions if you're trying to replace an alcohol or soda habit. If you want to go on YouTube and watch those, the show is called Cooking With Me and there's a beverage video. But anyway, long story short, to replace beer or cocktails, I really like Topo Chico mineral waters. Not only is mineral water good for you, but I find that Topo Chico, the carbonation texture is very similar to beer or soda. Um, also, if you're trying to replace soda or just want to drink something out of a can, uh, Zevias are the best, hands down soda. Uh, it's sweetened with stevia 
and carbonated water, so there's really nothing bad in it. If you're trying to replace a cocktail or margarita or something like that, you could add a lime to your Topo Chico or maybe even have a kombucha tea, which does have a calming or relaxing effect. Uh, if you can find a kombucha tea that doesn't have much sugar in it. Um, some of them only have about two grams of sugar. So I would go for something like that versus some of the other ones that have 10 grams or more. My go-to beverage in, on any occasion is coffee. I love coffee. Um, you could also do a tea, either unsweet iced tea or a regular tea. But yeah, if you're like at a barbecue or something like that, everybody's going to be drinking and you're going to have a lot of, uh, I don't know, peer pressure or anxiety or just these old habits are going to come back and you're going to want to crack open a beer. I would crack open a Zevia and see how you feel with that or maybe a, a mineral water or, or just drink coffee because what's going to happen is you're going to be sober sitting there watching everybody talk a little bit faster and a little bit louder and nobody's really listening to each other. Uh, this is how it goes whenever you're sober and everybody else is drunk. Um, then somebody's going to say something that they don't mean and they'll apologize to you later. It's really kind of fun. Uh, to be in that situation, um, especially if things get out of hand, because you're going to look like the sensible one, and you'll you'll have people apologize to you for once. I'm just joking, kind of. But a barbecue is fun, no matter what. You don't need alcohol to have fun at a barbecue or any other social event. Because uh, if you're not having fun, then it's just not a fun event, and you should just go home and watch Netflix. Okay, the next query is about salad dressings. What is the best salad dressing on the ketogenic diet? Well, I would have to say oil and vinegar. Uh, specifically, I like to use olive oil and apple cider vinegar. I put some salt and pepper in that, maybe a little bit of garlic powder, and I stir that up and pour it over my salad. It takes like two seconds, and you don't have to buy any salad dressing because chances are you already have olive oil, and apple cider vinegar laying around. Anyway, it's definitely the most healthiest thing that you can find because most salad dressings at the store will have some type of soybean or canola oil, which is not good for you. And they also put hidden sugars in there. Even if it's not many sugars, like most of them will say like two grams of sugar in a, in a two tablespoon serving of salad dressing. And even if that's not a ton of sugar, it's still not good for you. So why even bother? But if you need to have some ranch dressing in order to eat salad, go ahead, do it for now. Uh, it's better to eat ranch dressing on a salad than not eat vegetables at all. Uh, I, I'll, I will even have some ranch every once in a while if I go to a restaurant because if they don't have the oil and vinegar that I'm used to eating, then I'll have ranch. Might as well, right? Um, it's just every so often that I go to a restaurant, I might do that. But I don't make a habit of it. But then again, maybe that's the reason I don't have six-pack abs right now. Okay, the next query is about keto strips. Um, keto strips are not working anymore. I'm doing something wrong. Uh, the little strips are not purple. If you are part of my program, The Kit Method, then you would already know the answer to this. 
The keto strips only work for about six weeks until you are fat adapted. And then they don't turn purple anymore because you're not peeing out all of the ketones that you're making. You're using them more efficiently as fuel after about six weeks or so of being on the ketogenic diet with no cheating. Um, that is what they call fat adapted. So the keto strips are fun, especially if you like to pee on things, which I do, but they're just only effective in the first stages of the ketogenic diet. Um, they're good They're good at first because you, you know that you're making ketones and they're going out through the urine. And so everything's working as planned, right? Well, that's that's very nice. But just keep that in mind that they're only good for the first few weeks. And that goes hand in hand with the next keto query. Uh, it's about bad breath. Is that normal on the ketogenic diet? Um, some people say it is, but uh, really what it is is ketones, just like they come out of the urine before you're completely fat adapted, they also come out of your breath and that is preventable if you eat enough vegetables. Uh, you're going to want to eat at least 7 to 10 cups of vegetables every day, um, which is the equivalent of like a big bag of salad. I just, I say eat a large serving of vegetables every day, like maybe a bunch like a whole bunch of asparagus, you know how they come in those rubber bands. So if I'm eating asparagus, I'll have like an entire bunch of that. Or if I'm doing collard greens or something like that, I would cook that on the stove top with some lemon juice and butter. Um, just like fill up the pot with collard greens and eat that. Cause when it cooks down, it's really not that much. Or what else? Maybe some cauliflower. Like if you're making a a mashed potato dish or something like that with ground up cauliflower. I would have a big serving of that. But my go-to for vegetables is a big salad. I put olive oil, apple cider vinegar, and nutritional yeast on top of a big salad. And that's going to keep my liver healthy. It's going to keep toxins flushed out of my system. And I do not have bad breath um, and that's really only a thing that happens in the first stages of ketosis anyway. So I wouldn't worry about it too much. But it's kind of like the, the urine strip thing. Until you're fat adapted, you're going to have excess ketones leaving your body because you're not using them efficiently enough. The next query is about weight loss um, in that there is none. Uh, if you've hit a plateau... Or if the scale is not budging, well, that's not always the best indicator of success. Um, first of all, for me personally, uh, the best things about the ketogenic diet is not even the weight loss. It's just all of the other health benefits that come with it. Um, pretty much every single ailment that I've had, either minor or major, has improved greatly with the ketogenic diet. And I can go on and on about that. And I probably will on another day. But my point right now is the scale does not really matter. Because especially if you're doing my program, you're going to be gaining muscle. So that's one way that you can gain weight on this program. And also, not only muscle, but just organs and tissues will start to regenerate. 
whenever you start absorbing nutrients and healthy foods. Um, so like if you were to get on the ketogenic diet and uh, you, you fix your digestive system to where you're actually absorbing nutrients and eating nutrient-dense food like on this diet, then you're going to start to regenerate tissue and all of that tissue weighs something. So that's another way that you could be gaining a little bit of weight as you're losing body fat. Um, a good way to tell is if your clothes fit better or if you're losing inches off of your midsection. Um, like I was stuck at the exact same weight for about a month, but I measured my midsection and I had lost an inch off of my waist. And I can also tell when I put my when, when I put my jeans on, um, they are not as tight. So, and not to mention people, you know, would people naturally just compliment you when you're losing weight and you're looking better. And it's not always obvious to you, but to everyone else it is. So maybe some of that can be happening. And lastly, I would just like to say that a weight loss plateau is completely normal. Um, I've hit two plateaus since I started keto, and I've busted through both of them. I'm kind of at a new one right now. I talked about this more on the last podcast, but your body just has these set points that it gets to where it gets comfortable at this one weight, and it's going to be very stubborn to lose any more weight than that because that's like an evolutionary process that happens, you know, back from when we didn't have abundant food during the human evolutionary process, uh, we're just designed to keep whatever kind of body mass we have on ourselves. Uh, so you're going to have to do something to break through that plateau. And usually on a ketogenic diet, the main thing that you do to break through the plateau is restrict the amount of fat that you are consuming. Uh, when you first start the ketogenic diet, you're going to be, be making like all of these keto desserts and drinking bulletproof coffees and putting like a ton of butter on everything. And that's all great at first because that's going to give you enough fat to last you until the next meal and not cheat on your diet. But after a while, you don't need as much fat because you're burning fat for fuel a lot more efficiently and you're not going to need as many calories, especially with the intermittent fasting. Um, you're going to be going through these changes where you adapt to the diet and you don't, you might want to cut out the bulletproof coffee. You might want to not eat as much oil on your salad. Uh, maybe not quite as much butter on your pancakes or, <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever it is you're doing, you can restrict the amount of fat but you still want to have the keto macros, just not quite as much food. Um, I don't want to say restrict calories. That's another option. You could restrict calories. It kind of depends how much you're eating, but you basically just want to eat less and still make sure that you're getting enough protein to maintain your muscle mass and not go through any like hair or skin issues. Anyway, I feel like I'm rambling, but plateaus are normal. You will bust through it eventually, even if you don't make any dietary changes. As you become healthy, 
you bust through plateaus and you lose weight because being overweight is a symptom of being unhealthy. And as you, as your health improves, your weight loss will also. So just be patient. You will bust through this plateau and exercise helps. And if you're going through my program, the kit method, then you already know those Tabata workouts really, really kick your booty and they're good for fat burning. So high intensity interval training. Um, Also sprints are probably the best for for weight loss if you can sprint. I could not sprint when I first started the kit method. Um, I would have probably had a heart attack or threw my back out. But um, after a couple of months of doing the Tabata workouts, I, I was able to sprint at least a little bit. And that's been a great way to break through plateaus also. And the last keto query of this episode is about vegetables. Um, have a question about what kind of vegetables and how much to eat. Uh, I recommend a large serving of vegetables every day, um, the equivalent of seven to 10 cups of salad, which is like one of those, you know, those bags of salad that you see at the grocery store. Uh, If it says 10 ounces on that bag of salad, that means the equivalent of 10 cups. They usually go by, I think it's called an NLEA serving size. And you would basically want to have about 10 of those serving sizes to meet your daily requirements of vegetables. Uh, I am of the opinion that vegetables are good for you. And I know that might sound like a funny thing to say, but you kind of have to specify nowadays because there's a lot of different approaches now to the ketogenic diet. Um, Like the carnivore diet is very popular right now where people just eat meat. And there's also other approaches to the keto diet that are higher in protein and zero carbs where they don't have any type of vegetables or Uh, Some people don't even use black pepper on their steaks because (laughs) they're uh, plant-based. And I'm not completely against the carnivore diet. Uh, In fact, I might even try it when I get to that level. But I just, I think you need to go through a phase of regular keto for a long time before you try to eat just meat. Like if you're going to try that, I would... I would not just jump straight into carnivore diet from an obese person because your liver needs help. (laughs) And uh, like all of that fat and toxins and unhealthy stuff needs to go through the liver. And I feel like the vegetables are going to help clean you out and detoxify the body as well as get all the potassium, magnesium, you know, all the vitamins and minerals that, that you need to cure insulin resistance and get healthy and start losing weight. Like there are some, no doubt, very serious, awesome carnivore athletes out there. Um, Probably the one that is most well known is uh, Sean Baker. Uh, This guy is 51 years old, breaking strength strength records and stuff like that. Uh, He can deadlift like five of me, but he was already in really good shape before he started the carnivore diet. And he's only been at it for like a couple of years. 
And I mean, he, he'll even tell you that he was doing the keto diet before that. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that have had great results going straight into carnivore, but I don't know. I just think the healthiest approach is to have some vegetables, meat, you know, all the all the regular whole foods that we have on the ketogenic diet. I think that's the healthiest approach. And back to the question about what kind of vegetables, you just got to find a vegetable that works for you. Uh, it's going to be a balancing act between nutrition and what you can digest. Like for me personally, I cannot digest raw spinach and raw broccoli very well, or at least not a large serving. Um, even the spring mix will sometimes give me digestive issues. Uh, and while it may be a fun prank to have horrible gas all day long, your significant other might not appreciate it. So um, I like to eat like this romaine mix that I find in a bag with cabbage and carrots. I find that at the grocery store. I'll eat an entire bag of that, and that's my serving for the day. It might not have as much potassium and magnesium as like spinach or kale, but at least I can digest it and I feel good when I eat it. And if you're eating uh, greens that don't make you feel good with horrible digestive issues, then that is not good for you. Even though it's nutrient dense, it is not good for you. I mean, think about it. Most plants on the planet are not edible. And sometimes that carries over into the salad, <laughs> uh, uh, the salad family where, uh, I mean, if you cook it down, it'll be easier to digest. So if I were to eat a large serving of spinach, I would cook that down on the stovetop. Uh, same thing with broccoli. So yeah, just a short and sweet answer. I would say find a vegetable that makes you feel good with no digestive issues and eat a large serving every day or maybe two small servings. Hope that answers your question. Thanks everyone for listening. Um, this has been the second episode of Keto Queries, the podcasting with me. Um, I really appreciate you listening and I'll see you next time. Podcast with me.